Hello and welcome to the Fish on Ted podcast, where we talk about the business of hunting and fishing. Well, our guest today is George Marlowe from Fall Creek, Oregon. Uh, George transitioned from being a guide in Oregon to becoming a guide in Alaska, and within a few years, he was in charge of a fleet of seven sports fishing boats out of the premier uh, southeast resort called Pibus Point Lodge. Welcome, George. Thank you. You know, our topic today is transitioning from being a Pacific Northwest fishing guide to an Alaska fishing guide. But before we get started, George, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got involved with fishing and, in particular, the fishing industry? Well, I started out when I was quite young, uh, sport fishing and... uh, Actually, I've always had a uh, reputation if it had water, uh, two inches of water, and it, I uh, uh, have a reputation of trying to catch a fish there. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but I did a small amount of uh, saltwater fishing yeah. uh, on a commercial basis, and the saltwater fishing that I did gave me some really good experiences to how to handle the saltwater species. Yeah. Now, now, where, where did, uh, were you commercial fishing out of? I commercial fish from uh, Northern California to Southern Washington. Really, for salmon or what? Uh, I did uh, predominantly trolled for salmon, uh-huh. and then did some albacore. Uh, fishing late in the season, uh, and also there was uh, quite a few times that I'd go out sport fishing for the various types of rockfish, the lingcod and other kinds of rockfish, the yeah. halibut, and those off the Oregon coast, and uh, very, very much enjoy that style of a sport. Very good. You know, it, as, as, as guides go, right, they have some of the most amazing stories to tell. And before we get into this, uh, the topic of the transitioning from a Northwest guide to an Alaska guide, uh, can you tell us the most crazy day you've ever had on the water with a client? Uh, I have to kind of think about that one, but probably the, the person that went swimming that didn't really intend to go swimming. How did that happen? Uh, they uh, decided to lean over the boat a little bit too far, and uh, a fish decided to hit the rod at the time, and uh, uh, it just was enough leverage to go ahead and pull him over. Oh, no kidding. Was it a halibut that yeah. pulled him over? Yes, it was. Really? So, yeah. so did you gaff him into the boat, or what? Oh, no. I, <laughs> I had a hold of him before he was in the water very far. Yeah? That's one thing that I... Uh, I'm very aware of everything that goes on uh, of uh, upon the boat, and uh, I try to keep very safety orientated. Yeah. Well, I remember one time you and I were fishing together in Alaska, and, and I pulled up, and the halibut pulled down. I remember the time it broke my finger, because mm-hmm. my finger hit the side of the boat, and uh, that, was a, that was a crazy experience all on its own. You know, as, as um, uh, although fishing may be similar here in Oregon, um, as it is in Alaska, what do you see as the biggest difference between the fishing down here compared to the fishing in Southeast? 
uh, the fishing in southeast, you're going to be handling a lot more uh, time on the salt water than you will uh, down here. Almost all of your fishing is going to be freshwater fishing. Right. Uh, when you're in Alaska, you're going to be handling more saltwater fish, mm -hmm. and you need to know what their habits are. And uh, they're like all the fish. They're looking for an easy meal to get to. And if you've got some idea of the terrain that they like, the tides, how they fall, you should be in pretty good shape to go up there and do pretty much what you need to do. How how would you if you if you didn't know how to read the salt water and were down here in in Oregon how would you sort of prepare yourself to go up uh, to Alaska and and figure out how the the tides and 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 how to read the salt water? Okay, the t the tides are actually quite simple to to read. Uh, there's tide books in every known location on Earth, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's a good idea to pay attention to what they can be because you can end up high and dry and, sure. uh, with your boat. Uh, but if you fish on structure, and this is important in freshwater too, but if you fish on structure, you're going to have a pretty good chance of learning what you need to do to take care of the fishing. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is is to keep it fun. If a school of salmon swim by, uh, don't be afraid to put out some spinners or some salmon gear. Uh huh. And take advantage of the moment. If uh, there's a school of halibut, I've seen them on the surface swim by, and there's no reason in the world not to take advantage of what uh, uh, the wildlife are willing to give you right a school of halibut on the surface you bet really yeah really. well and i guess that's different uh, than than it is down here is it not because here you're usually fishing for maybe one or two different species of fish but up there it uh it, it's sort of a potpourri you you're fishing for a lot of different species and, and that's true uh your saltwater fishing up in alaska uh, there's a lot more fish to choose from, and there's a lot more fish there to fish for. Mm -hmm. uh, the fish off the Oregon coast uh, have a lot of the same species, but there are not as many available as there are up north. And this is why I say you can go on to just about any reef in Alaska and find fish. Uh-huh. Uh, down here, if you're in freshwater, you're basically fishing for either salmon or steelhead. Right. Up there, you can be fishing in freshwater for salmon or steelhead, but you've got five kinds of salmon that you can be fishing for in Alaska uh -huh. at any given time. And then you've got uh, Dolly Varden that you don't have down here on a normal basis. Down here, you're fishing for basically the Chinook or King or the Silver Salmon. Mm -hmm. And that and that, that is it. And it takes a, uh, 
a pretty good knowledge of reading the water down here. It's a harder read on the water down here than it is in Alaska. Sure. So, you know, you, you managed a, a lot of guides out of Pibus Point over the, the 10 plus years, I think, that you were there. Um, what was the number one thing that was the most difficult thing for guides to do and and uh, and and what was the, the the number one thing that made them unsuccessful up there uh one is to get them to uh work as a team now what do you mean by that i mean that like if one boat is not going to be a hero that if they're on a group of fish that happens to be the type of fish that some of the other people at the lodge are wanting. You call up your uh, sister boats and let them know what's going on. Mm -hmm. If there's whales jumping out of the water, breaching something that's unusual that people might want to see, you call them up and you let them know what is going on. You're in touch and you're in contact and communication. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times that one boat might be catching a 15-pound halibut. Uh -huh. And they might be catching uh, uh, 30 or 40 or 50 of them uh, in a few hours. But that's not the, possibly the ones that the people want. Maybe they want the ones that are 60 pounds and they can go two miles further up a channel and there's another one of your boats there that's able that's on those fish and rather than him being a hero bringing in uh his limit of 60 pound fish he calls you up and he lets you know okay we've got the fish but the cooperation and the communication and keeping the trip fun for everybody involved is what the number one goal is. It's it's a different mindset, isn't it? Because I mean, you're fishing for usually for a lodge, right? While right. you're up there, there's multiple boats, and the lodge is responsible for the experience of all the patrons of the lodge, just not the ones on a particular boat. And so, if you're not sharing that information, you might. And, and you're on the fish, you might be a hero to the four people that you have on your boat, but the lodge owner, you're not worth a, a plug nickel because you're not sharing that information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the people that are the skippers of the boat, uh, when they learn and they have the understanding that everybody helps everybody to make it the best time for these people that have come up to the lodge and uh, spent a fair amount of money to have a trip of a lifetime, everybody is involved in making that support crew, the chef, everybody is involved. And as long as you keep everybody involved in a situation like that, then you've got a, a good crew and you've got a lot of repeat guests. Right. Now, now, do you see as a guide uh, in Alaska that the expectations of the people up there are different than the expectations of the clients down here? Uh, to a certain degree, uh, the people that come to Alaska tend to expect more fish mm -hmm. than they do 
down here. Right. Uh, experienced fishermen, experienced salmon fishermen or steelhead fishermen on the uh, coast during the fall is going to understand there's going to be days that it might be only a few fish day. Mm-hmm. Or there's going to be times that that can change in five minutes. Right. And you can have four fish on uh, four rods mm-hmm. immediately. But uh, the expectations of the people are more orientated to, okay, we're going to go out and catch fish. Right. And here, we're going to go out and try and catch fish. We're going to have an experience. If you yes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you and I talked a little about in preparing for this was that the differences, or one of the differences between the guides in the Pacific Northwest and the guides in Alaska is that the the guides here, if it's a one-day trip, they're guiding from 6 o'clock in the morning until, you know, you get off the water and, and everybody goes on their way. But when you're in Alaska, you're, you're guiding for four or five days straight. And really, as a guide, you're not only guiding on water, but you're guiding off water, too. And, and there's situations that you're going to have to watch out for or people are going to come to you and ask you about different types of wildlife or, you know, other things that they can be doing. And so you've sort of got to get have a good feel for everything up there, don't you? Yes, you do, mm-hmm. especially for the wildlife. And the wildlife are fairly easy to learn but uh the safety factors involved with the wildlife are probably the number one thing that you need to learn and uh most of the time you'll learn that before you have guests by the time that the guests get there you'll have a pretty good idea as to what is right and what can be done mm-hmm. and the other thing that you'll run into occasionally is somebody will not want to buy a king salmon stamp and catch a king and they'll want you to keep the king salmon and i can tell you that you hated to let the king salmon go but uh, you need to let them know that they need to follow the rules. Got it. You know, uh, one of the questions, I guess, that comes up quite frequently is that, you know, if you're running a drift boat down here, you're running a sled and, and uh, you're fishing the coastal waters and, and you're successful at it, um, you know, you, you make a good living and you make a good living for, uh, you know, for a number of months out of the year. When you go to Alaska, everything is sort of compacted in that three, four, five month period, right? Um, can you expect to make more money in Alaska as a guide or less money? Uh, actually, if you are a good guide and you're working for some uh, a, a reasonable lodge or a good lodge, uh, you'll actually make a bit more money in Alaska than you will in Oregon. Uh-huh. Uh, the Oregon people... You're going to make good money with them, too, especially if you run a, a a fair amount of your trips and people know that you've got these trips available and you run as many of the trips that are available for the fish runs that are available there. And there doesn't have to necessarily be a fish run to go out there and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I've had some days that I went out and didn't expect to catch a fish and end up 20 fish uh, to the side of the boat. Right. And uh, the fish have uh, their ways of doing things, that I, I guess is a good way to put it. And it's not necessarily all the time the way that you think that it might be. So true. So, so knowing what you know, and as a guide here in Oregon, and if you had never guided in Alaska, but you know you just got that bug that happens, right? And and you go, gosh, I really want to go to Alaska and guide, right? What would what would be the steps that you would take to make that transition? I would start uh, contacting the various lodges and uh, definitely check on their references. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is for your own safety. Really? So they're going to check on your references and you're going to check, check on, on their references. Yes, because you don't want to be in, uh, ending up in a 14-foot skiff out in uh, basically the ocean. Right. And uh, also it gives you an idea of what kind of clientele that they run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say the kind of clientele, I should say the numbers of clientele that they run. Right. And talk with the people at the sports shows. There's a lot of people that are hired at the sports shows. And if they can show that they've got a real good interest in fishing and they've got an interest in in the safety and knowledge of fishing, they've got a pretty good chance of getting hired on uh, as a starter in Alaska. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't have much time before all of a sudden you're up there and uh, they don't uh, always give you as much time as you think you need to prepare. But but you need to listen to your other guides that have been there and that are experienced. Right. Well, and and the other thing I I think that is a surprise to some people is that when you get up to Alaska, you know, it isn't like it is here in the Pacific Northwest where you might fish four or five or six days straight and then you've got a couple days off. I mean, it's just go, go, go the whole time, isn't it? It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the season. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I've never worked for a lodge that was less than that. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if you have a storm come in, you have to be prepared to possibly go on a rescue mission. Right. You have to have uh, the ability to take care of a heart attack. Right. And uh, all of these things, are the safety issues are highly important, especially with the animals you're dealing with. Uh as like the halibut, a uh, 70-pound halibut can br- break a person's leg, mm-hmm. and you need to protect your guests from those kind of uh, issues. Uh, also, the bears uh, in most of the areas, uh, you're going to confront bears sooner or later, mm-hmm. and uh, it, most... Uh, the most that you can learn about the best way to confront a bear without shooting him is the uh, a really important thing to do right uh the 
bears, they have uh, certain habits and certain ways that they go about. If you let them go their way, most of the time they let you go your way. Very good. Very good. Well, George, thank you so much. Uh, we've learned a lot today about uh, the transition from being a Northwest guide to an Alaska guide. Any closing thoughts? Enjoy yourself in Alaska. It's a beautiful place. Very good. Thank you so much for uh, your time and your expertise today, George. Oh, you're welcome.